Go ahead. What's your question? Yeah, well, in Anapanasati Sutta, the Buddha says that breathing meditation fulfills the four foundations of awareness, which I understand. And then he says that the four foundations of awareness also fulfill the seven links to awakening. So how mm -hmm. are the seven links to awakenings fulfilled in this way? Okay, that's actually a very beautiful question. I have different terminology. And that is, is that we practice Anapanasati for the fulfillment of the four foundations of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And that we practice the four foundations of mindfulness to Satipatthana for the fulfillment of the Sambhojana, the mm -hmm. seven factors of awakening. Okay. And that we practice the seven factors of awakening for the fulfillment of knowledge and deliverance. Mm -hmm. This little phrase that I've said is actually four times in the Anapanasati Sutta. That's how important it is. I guess you've read the Sutta. You understand that. Why did they go through this? Okay. Well, let's look at it in the sense that um, we're starting Anapanasati from the foundation of the actual deep teachings of the Buddha, which is Dukkha Dukkha Naroda, broken into the Four Noble Truths of Dukkha does exist. The cause of Dukkha is greed, ill will, and mostly ignorance, followed by the third noble truth, which people don't spend much time thinking about, talking about, or lecturing about, which is basically the state of feeling in a state like that you've got no problem. You've got no difficulties. You've got no Dukkha. And mm. then there is the Eightfold Noble Path. And the Eightfold Noble Path is to be practiced in order to get one's mind in the state of freedom from dukkha. Mm. That's the whole practice right there. Where does Anapanasati come in? Anapanasati comes into the position of uh, that is the way to actually practice mm. the Eightfold Noble Path. Most specifically, it has to do with all eight of them but 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 one of them um hang on a second mm -hmm. <clears throat> the the eightfold noble path then is what we uh that's that's the intended method and that Anapanasati is nothing but the application of that. Mm. That in fact, at one point, uh, uh, not just one point, I think that it was kind of common because I had heard it right out of his own mouth, but it seems that it's made it into the literature also in at least some places where Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa said that the Buddha actually only taught one practice. Mm -hmm. Now, we can call that meditation if you want to, but in the uh, in the sutta is called the Anapanasati. Mm -hmm. Okay, that the Buddha only gave one method of practice for the Eightfold Noble Path, and that was Anapanasati. Mm -hmm. And that we, he does the Anapanasati for the fulfillment of the four foundations of mindfulness, which is getting in touch with, waking up, and being here now with the body. Mm. Being in touch with waking up and being in the here now with the feelings. Mm. Being in touch with expecting, examining, and seeing what's going on in the mind in this very mm. moment. And relaxing and focusing the mind and allowing it to become unified. This mm. is all in the Apatasati Sutta. And then once we get there, then we do the fourth tetrad which is actually, if you want to uh, look at it correctly, that's the noting that's done in the Mahasi method, but is only done when the mind is actually in uh, a wholesome state, to mm -hmm. where only students begin the Mahasi method by noting whatever there is. Mm -hmm. And whatever there is, sometimes and quite often, is unwholesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, but that's um, uh, let's leave that part of the practice there. But 
but to know that the Anapanasati does have these four items that need to be practiced, and we practice all of them kind of all at the same time until we get really, really good at the first three. And then we spend more and more time in the fourth tetrad. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that the hallmark of the fourth tetrad is to see both the arising and the falling away and the detachment and the letting go of it. And mm-hmm. we can actually practice that right there in that out breath. Mm-hmm. The in breath comes in, Anisha, and then the out breath is fading away. The end of the out breath is complete extinction. And the letting go is the silence that's left for, for mm-hmm. uh, a mind moment or two or a second or two. And then we start to cycle over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even the four tetrad is there from the beginning, but we spend more and more emphasis upon it as we have gained really strong skills in the first three. Mm-hmm. So that we're now practicing the Satipatthana. The Satipatthana Sutta, which is number 10, and it's number 118 is a companion. And you could also say, well, wait a minute, we're doing the Eightfold Noble Path, and the Eightfold Noble Path actually is 117. So 117, 118, and 10 suttas mm-hmm. can be used together to understand how the practice is done. Mm-hmm. If we spend all of our time reading only the Satipatthana Sutta, it gets kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. But when we mm-hmm. see all three suttas together, we can really understand this sequence of events because, in fact, both the Eightfold Noble Path and the uh, Sambo Jhana are, mm-hmm. are mentioned in the ten, uh, uh, Sutta number 10, the uh, Satipatthana Sutta, but they are there in the fourth tetrad. Mm-hmm. And they're there as examples of wholesome thoughts, mm-hmm. but also in the fourth tetrad of the Satipatthana Sutta are the hindrances mm-hmm. to be deleted. Mm-hmm. Okay, the hindrances are to be deleted, and that's the first thing that we begin to do with the fourth tetrad, knowing what the mind's objects are. We begin to remove the hindrances and put only wholesome quality thoughts in. Yeah. Okay, so this is the practice, and that's why the Satipatthana and the Anapanasati Sutta are just deeply tied together. It's actually just one thing, they're just broken into two suttas to look at it from this direction and to look at it from that mm-hmm. direction, but it's really just one thing, one practice. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet in the Anapanasati Sutta, hindrances are not mentioned. No, what is mentioned instead is gladdening the mind, which is actually the removal of the hindrances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, the uh, uh, Eightfold and Noble Path is not mentioned in the Anapanasati Sutta. Why is that? Because the Eightfold Noble Path is for the foundation, and the Anapanasati Sutta is set up saying that we do Anapanasati, not what was the foundation, but what's the goal of Anapanasati is for the fulfillment of the Satipatthana, and we do that for the fulfillment of the seven factors of enlightenment. Mm. So what's the relationship between the seven factors of enlightenment and the Eightfold Noble Path? Mm. Basically, the best way to look at it is by saying that the Eightfold Noble Path is the skills that are to be developed using Anapanasati, and when you develop those skills, the outcome of the fulfillment of the Satipatthana is the fulfillment of the seven factors of enlightenment, which are the Eightfold Noble Path in its fruition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can think of then as the Eightfold Noble Path and the and the uh, uh, Sambhojana as one book. Mm-hmm. One of them is chapter one, and the other one is chapter thirty-one. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So the uh, the the seven factors of enlightenment are the uh, to be fulfilled as enlightenment factors. But if you look at each individual one, here's what you find: the first item on the list is unremitting mindfulness or sati. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. We have anapanasati mm-hmm. sutta, and we have the sati. Mm-hmm. the four foundations of mindfulness, 
as well as now sati is the first item on the list of the um, seven factors of enlightenment. So this spinning wheel of sati mm -hmm. is uh, one of the uh, few points that are in all of these sutras about the practice. Mm -hmm. Is basically to wake up and look at what you're doing, to literally come out of the sixth sense of dreamland, daydreams, imaginations, concepts, and come into reality. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's very much like uh, uh, in bed. The first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning, what's the very first thing, the first second that you wake up? What do you do? What is it? Tell me about uh -huh. that first second. Thinking what to do during the day. No, that's too late. That's Before too late. that. Huh. The very the first, first thing, thing you, you do in the morning when you wake up is you know that you're awake. You wake uh. up. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that right? Think about it now and yeah. think about it tomorrow morning. Get, uh, notice the when you wake up in the morning, the very first thing that happens. Yeah, right. Plan on it the night before so that you can verify for yourself that, they, in fact, the very first thing that we notice is that now we're awake. Mm -hmm. That's sati. To wake up. Okay, which means literally to come into our senses. One of the ways uh, that we wake up in the morning is the knowledge of the body. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would be like the second mind moment. The first is the sati and then the awareness of the body. Mm -hmm. You actually will uh, take a little inventory of what posture you're in. Especially the arms and the head, you'll notice that. Mm -hmm. Whether you're on your side or on your back or whatever posture that you're in, that's the first thing that you'll notice. Okay, well, when we're practicing Anapanasati, we can do exactly the same thing. When we wake up, we notice the body. Mm -hmm. Also, when we wake up uh, in normal practice, that uh, when I say normal practice, I'm talking about like all day long kind of practice, like when you're sitting there doing your dissertation and then sati comes and you wake <laughs> up. Okay. Then that means that that waking up moment, we begin, we see what the mind was doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can look at that too. Just like when we woke up and saw the body posture, we can look up and see what the first thing that happens in the mind or what's going on. Mm -hmm. Often it's kind of reverberation of the past couple of seconds. What was happening mm -hmm. in the past couple of seconds when we decided to apply sati? That's what is step nine of Anapanasati, which is the investigation of the mind. Mm -hmm. But that's also in the 117, that point is uh, what they call right noble view in the sense of actually looking at something. Mm -hmm. Basically, you could say the distinction between ordinary view and right noble view is that, that ordinary view is built upon concepts mm -hmm. about how things should do, or uh, we can call it the parent ego state. This is what uh, uh, all the, the ways that things ought to be, rights, rules, rituals, and our concepts. Mm -hmm. An example of that is when I use the word world, how big is your world? Well, how big is it? Uh, I think that's just that what's going on in the moment. And the other thing is what's ah. going on in your mind. Exactly. So Andromeda strings and and uh, Vladimir Putin's and Mardi Gras <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff is not in the world. That's in mental concepts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've never been to the Mardi Gras. Neither have you. And so for both of us, it's just a concept. That's not part of our world. Yeah. Is this our what world you just is the say? world of the senses? Hmm? Is this what you just say, experiencing mental formating or mental formations in Anapanasati Sutta? Or? That's exactly what these mental formations are, is formating. I just formated a Putin, I formated a, uh, mm. uh, a Mardi Gras. Yeah. Okay. We can also think of these mental formations as junk thoughts. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, the Buddha had his language and we've got ours. <laughs> yeah. But we're talking about the same thing. Mental formations then, which is actually step nine of mm -hmm. the, no, nine, 10, 11, step 11 of the Anapanasaka. Mm -hmm. No, wait a minute. Mental formations, sorry, eight, step eight, seven. <laughs> <laughs> because our mental formations, it, this is part of the, um, I got it finally seven. Because in the Vedana, you have Pitti and Sukha, mm. five and six, and then seven of these mental formations, and then calming the mental formations mm. Mm. is step eight. Yeah. Okay. That's the mental formations. That's interesting that the mental formations are in the Vedana. Yeah. 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 Okay, why would mental formations be in the Vedana is, is because we feel our way through all of these thought systems rather than using wisdom. That you're not thinking with wisdom, you're not thinking with right noble view, you're thinking out of the sankaras of the past. Yeah. Okay, so that's why we call them junk thoughts, because if you were thinking the kind of thoughts that you would want to be thinking, you'd be thinking really marvelous thoughts, and here you are thinking about your junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what is the difference between experiencing mental formating or mental formations and experiencing mind? So, I don't really get. The, I, I get the. That, that's getting very close into being very similar to the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, what the formations are are a little bit deeper. Mm. This is where we can go from uh, the issue of the instantaneous thought into the underlying fetter. Mm. Mm -hmm. The hindrances have uh, seeds that, that germinate. All mm. right. So we're talking about the difference between seeds and mm. full-blown uh, things. So uh. at this at this seed level the, uh, is why it's in the Vedana is because basically let's let's say it this way mm. the kind of thoughts that you're going to have if you have a an attitude of being a loser mm. versus the kind of thoughts that you're going to have if you have the attitude of a winner mm. in other words two guys are in a prize fight and they and the, the game is over and one wins and the other one is carried out and now they're both in their separate rooms getting a <laughs> massage right <laughs> are they going to be thinking the same things not a chance <laughs> <laughs> even if they're thinking about the same topic mm -hmm. or the same person maybe they got the same boss <laughs> they're going to be thinking about him differently okay the thoughts are different based upon the mood that we're in so basically what we're talking about now is right in the very beginning we begin to look at just these thoughts that we're having mm. and then later we as we get more sophisticated we begin to look at the formations of these mental states mm. Mm. based upon what attitude that we have yeah okay does that help that understand? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so can you say that experiencing mind would be experiencing ill will or restlessness of the mind and the mental formations is the the effect of that? Let's say you are, have a restless no, mind. No, actually, you would, the mental formations would see the restlessness as restlessness. Yeah. When we're, when we're guarding the mind or when we're noting what's in the mind, we're seeing um, uh, the thought of this, then mm. we see the thought of that, then we see mm. the thought of the other thing, and then we put together at a deeper mm. level. Look at the mind, how restless it is. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just all over the place, right? How okay. do we know it's all over the place if we haven't seen it go here and then there and then this place and then that place and then this place? And then we say, wait a minute, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Not only did I see each thought, but I also saw the trail. Yeah. 
Okay, now I understand. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now we begin to see that restlessness is because we've had, a, and not only that, but it can also have a feeling component. Mm. That as that restlessness builds, it not only has the mind agitated, but it turns on a bit of adrenaline so that we can feel agitated. We could feel mm. restless or we could feel bored and humdrum. And so that's the time to take a break from those kind of feelings. We can wake up <laughs> to that. Yeah. Stand up, raise our arms and says, well, I'm glad I saw that stuff. And I hear I was <laughs> doing a dissertation instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when we're doing it, we can feel really good about it only because we remember that we've got a choice about how we feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But no one really knows that they've got a choice in as to how they feel and still they actually start applying that choice. Mm -hmm. Your whole life, nobody's ever mentioned to you because nobody ever knew that we actually have a a, 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 a control mechanism that can mm -hmm. be developed so that we can control our feelings. Mm -hmm. But in fact, when their feelings are controlled, only then are they actually ours. Only then when they're controlled, are they brought into the real family as and integrated into the mind. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, bad feelings that we don't want is keeping the mind unorganized, disunified. We're a crowd inside with the parent yelling at the child and the child uh, rebelling against it and the adult not paying any attention to what's going on. <laughs> and so we remain a crowd. But when the adult is put in into focus, put into gear and start seeing this internal dialogue, mm -hmm. then you say, hot dog, I see you, Mara. I can see that <laughs> stuff. And I can see not only does it affect the way that I think, it affects the way that I feel. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the feelings and the thoughts go hand in hand together. Mm -hmm. And when we see that, that point of awakening, that hot dog, I can see what's going on. That actually is the switch from being the victim of that stuff that's happening into being the champion. I'm the boss now. I just woke yeah. up. It's, it's almost like daddy's in bed asleep. <laughs> and the mm -hmm. kids are just all over the house getting into all kinds of things, looking in his pockets and whatnot. But when daddy wakes up, the kids change. Okay, well, the same <laughs> thing happen inside your own mind. Yeah. You've also heard it in the sense that when the cat's away, the mice will play. Not only will yeah. they play, they do a lot of damage and and, and, and <laughs> it's not so much playing at all. <laughs> all of those mice. <laughs> but when the cat, the boss comes home, then all of that activity is put to a stop, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's the that's the whole function of waking up. Mm -hmm. That's sati. And if we wake up and wake up and wake up and wake up over and over and over again, then mm -hmm. that begins to build a habit so that it becomes unremitting. Mm -hmm. Once the sati comes up, then that means that I remember now to wake up. I could wake up. You've heard the phrase, wake up and smell the coffee. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. The waking up we've got, we just covered that. The smelling of the coffee is actually now we're in sensory awareness. Mm -hmm. In fact, smelling the coffee is a big, deep in-breath, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's not the coffee, it's wake up and smell or wake up and take in some air. Yeah. Wake up, wake up and smell the coffee means to get into your sensory awareness or come to the here now. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing that we do is we wake up. And when we wake up, now we can actually take a look. Mm -hmm. That taking a look now is the investigation of one's right view to look at what's going on. But the question is, how skilled are we at looking? Are we going to look only at this instantaneous thought or are we going to look deeper down also? The answer to mm -hmm. that is that's a skill to be developed. Yeah. And some students are capable of, uh, uh, let us say, uh, seeing anxiety quite quickly and others, it takes a while. 
but everybody begins to deal with anxiety. Why? Because finally yeah. they can see it. Yeah. And the answer to it, whenever we see it, whether it's uh, uh, earlier or late into the practice, is always the same thing. Never mind, take a deep breath, change mm-hmm. the way that we're thinking, because it was the thoughts that we were having that got us into the feeling of being agitated and worried. In fact, agitated and worried. Worried about what? Those are the thoughts. Yeah. All right. Put those to rest. Oh, I don't have to worry right now. Yeah. So now that we've got the first two items on the uh, Satipatthana, excuse me, on this Samojana, mm-hmm. the next item on the list then is one's right effort. Mm turned on its head or basically fully developed when one's right effort is fully developed it's no effort at all it's almost mm. energetic it just pops mm. into place yeah but this was also a- uh, woke it up and as you were waking up the wake up actually has a deep breath built into it yeah so this was also the question i was having what would be the difference between the energy link to awakening and right effort. And you just stated that if you practice right effort over and over again, it becomes something you don't have to put effort. It just becomes an energetic thing. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yes. It's, it, it, um, there's many examples of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any piece of wood, let's say a limb. Mm-hmm. If you bend that limb, it's going to resist and go back. Mm-hmm. If you bend it down again, it's going to resist and go back, but not quite as far as it went back into or where it was in the beginning. It's going mm-hmm. to have a residual little bit of bend in it. Okay, so you bend mm-hmm. the thing again, you pop it back into place. Okay, mm-hmm. you keep bending it and you keep bending it, and more often and the um uh whatnot, uh more often that you bend it the more likely it is going to return to a place that's closer and closer to the bend and Mm -hmm. less likely to be up at the place where it used to be. Mm -hmm. That's actually the way that the instincts operate also, that you can, in fact, begin to bend them, but it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. It it takes uh, one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought that gets those feelings to actually really relax. Mm-hmm. But when mm-hmm. you get good at it, you could do it pretty quickly. That's when mm-hmm. it becomes energetic. We don't have to take the effort anymore. Yeah. So one's right effort, which is uh, part of the Eightfold Noble Path, and one's right effort actually in the sutta, it says that we're going to use right effort to change our attitude mm-hmm. as well as to change the thoughts. Mm-hmm. So we're going to change it on both levels. Mm-hmm. All right. So with changing it on both levels means that we're going to change the instantaneous thoughts that we have, but we're going to also begin to change the underlying feelings. And by gladdening the mind, we're actually perking up our feelings instead Mm. of feeling afraid and anxious and uptight. We feel satisfied and content. Mm. But we're practicing that. Yeah. Then that old lamb will whack back right into place, back into the old (laughs) stuff, and we bend it again and say, come on, guys, let's come down and let's be happy and content and fearless. Then it pops back up into the fear again, but it doesn't go quite as far the the next time. Yeah. So this is how, uh, and you you could do this within that two-hour sitting period that we were talking about before of doing a Mm. task. That mm. sometimes you feel like a net, sometimes you don't. And it'll go back and forth. If you're aware of that, and you can recognize that you have grown tired or bored of the tasks that you're doing, take a break, mm. get yourself back into a really good state, and then mm. go back and do it again. Mm. And this is built right into the Anapanasati Sutta, okay? So the next item on the list, that effort, becomes really easier and easier and easier. Mm-hmm. The first time we bent that limb, it's a lot of work. But after bending it a thousand times, not only is the arm getting a little bit stronger, but the but the the limb itself is willing to bend. Yeah, done yeah. that before, been there, done that. 
Okay, so that's one's right effort. And uh, when it's um, in the Eightfold Noble Path, it's effort. And when it becomes part of the Sambhojana, it's unremitting energetic. It's just easy. Mm. Okay. Mm. The next item on the list is Pitisukha, mm. which means that it's really easy now to get ourselves into Pitisukha. And Pitisukha, mm. which is then... Uh, Part of the development of getting herself feeling good. Now mm. the sambojana means that you're just feeling good. Because it's effortless to feel good because you're watching what you're doing because your uh, sati is in you. Mm. Okay, so you can see the sequence of events. With this, there is an additional item that's added in the sambojana. And that is tranquility, but that item is also in Anapanasati, it's the fourth step. Mm-hmm. And in some, uh, or at least in one sutta that I know of, it adds the five items of the first jhana, it adds that sixth item, which is the body is relaxed. And sure mm-hmm. enough, if you've got the other five factors of the first jhana, where you're sitting completely relaxed, then that's part of the jhana. How can mm-hmm. you be complete? How can the body become relaxed? Well, the body becomes relaxed because we have uh, safety and security, comfort. The body is comfortable. We're not sitting mm-hmm. sitting on either pins or needles. Mm-hmm. And if we've been sitting in meditation too long and the body hurts, just adjust it. We're not here <laughs> for endurance. We're here for comfort. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, when we develop these factors, of, mm-hmm. of Pitti and Sukha through the practice of Anapanasati we, and they become developed as skills mm-hmm. that means that the default position now is happiness Sukha and mm-hmm. relaxation mm-hmm. okay so uh, all of these things work together and so now we have covered how many I think we've gotten five of the seven mm-hmm. The next ones would be opeka and samati. Mm-hmm. Well, samati here is the very samati that is part of the practice of the Eightfold Noble Path, except now is unremitting rather than piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. the mind does no longer have any arguments. Now the mind is unified. Mm-hmm. Now this uh, uh, upeka, the way that I normally describe that is... Um, talking about it in the sense of a dynamic balance, mm-hmm. which it also can be thought of as sea legs. An mm-hmm. example of that is that when the uh, the big fishing boat is at port, anybody, all the land lovers, the captain, everybody can walk the plank or walk on the deck. But mm-hmm. when that boat is out at sea, especially in high seas, the captain has sea legs, even though the floor that he is under is wobbling and shaking his sea legs are such that he can get from the front end of the boat to the uh, the back end of the boat without mm-hmm. running into anything, encountering anything, or having any events. Mm-hmm. Where a land lover who's never been on such a boat, when it's rolling around in the high seas, they're going to run into the cabin. They're going to run into the uh, rigging. They're going to uh, heave over the side. They may go over the side, all kinds of mm-hmm. things, because they don't have the sea sea legs mm-hmm. okay back to anapanasati now and recognize that everything is in turmoil step number 13 anicca everything's changing things arise and they pass away and they arise and they pass away that's very similar then to that sh- boat the reality mm-hmm. is is that everything is in turmoil are you going mm-hmm. to be able to have such a balance so that you can maintain your cool, even though the floor that's under you in reality, even mm-hmm. though things don't go your way in town, they don't go your way at the visa office, they don't go your way at the dissertation, they don't go your way the way that you wanted it to go, mm-hmm. but they're going their own way. The question is, is do you have the mental agility? Mm-hmm. Do you have the training to maintain your balance? even when mm. things are not going the way that you thought that they would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when that becomes unremitting, that means that even if you fall down, you get right back up. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. What I, I didn't see anything happen. Nobody fell. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so this is the sea legs. This is um, Upeka. Mm. So the Sambo Jhana, when we practice the Sambo, or actually not practice the Sambo Jhana, the Sambo Jhana comes together because of all of the other correct practice. This is actually mm-hmm. then the fulfillment of all of the other skills that we were practicing. Mm-hmm. If we're practicing sati and practicing sati, it becomes uh, unremitting. Now, what I mean by unremitting does not mean in Western mentality of all the time. Mm-hmm. But basically, what we mean unremitting is is that it's there when you need it. Mm-hmm. It's there when you need it, mm-hmm. because we've been practicing that that it's mm-hmm. there when we need it. In other words, if somebody asks you to play a song, you sit right down and play that song because you just practiced it and rehearsed it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the way that we look at it is, is the unremitting part is means that you're ready at any time, not that mm-hmm. you've got to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. So that if something happens, you can remember that that that's happened. Let's get our sea legs going. Let's have our um, mm-hmm. upeka. So you can see, in fact, all of these things are together. Mm-hmm. They're just different ways of describing but basically what it is, is, is that you get to the position that, hey, man, you can handle anything. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes by, you can be sharp enough and awake enough so mm-hmm. that you can stand out of the way of those slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, especially since most of them come verbally anyway. <laughs> yeah. And verbal errors are really easy to stand right out of the way. Who? Who are you talking about? Yeah. All right. So that's the seven factors of enlightenment and that we practice or that we fulfill the seven factors of enlightenment. But we do it kind of uh, in in stages. And the two stages mm-hmm. that the Buddha is talking about is basically knowledge and deliverance. Mm-hmm. These are two completely different things and you could go so far as to say that the knowledge card mm-hmm. is sotapan the fruit of sotapan is the knowledge of how mm-hmm. the mind the knowledge of um patita samapada the knowledge of the job that really needs to be done mm-hmm. and that is mm-hmm. the deliverance from the defilements mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the job finally that we've got to do all right so that means then that the uh, Sotagami, Anagami, and Arahat each have various tasks to do, and that they come kind of in order, with mm-hmm. greed and ill will being item number four and five, which, by the way, happen to be part of the second noble truth anyway. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the knowledge to get rid of those things because the, uh, the, the happening was caused by ignorance. Mm-hmm. Once we get the knowledge, now we know we have the knowledge of ill will and um, greed, and we know mm-hmm. that wanting things causes suffering, causes dukkha, mm-hmm. and and so that's where we now practice to be finished with that stuff that we're mm-hmm. sharp on, that we've got unremitting mindfulness. So when greed comes up in the mind, we say, "I saw you." I got you that time. Okay, that's then the deliverance. Yeah. All right. This knowledge and deliverance also can be thought of as two stages of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. That funny word that uh, a Buddhist stole from the French Revolution. You know that word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The enlightenment, which is nothing really but a war between science and religion. Mm-hmm. That's the age of enlightenment, is the waking up to um uh testing things out rather than mm-hmm. believing we've heard before so that that's okay to use the word like that but in order to give it correct definition so that we know what it means in buddhism because otherwise it's a, a kind of way up there airy fairy nobody knows what enlightenment is but boy does everybody want a bunch of it mm-hmm. Rather than recognizing, well, is no, it's a very specific skill. 
So you can think of this as the word enlightenment has a primary word, and that is light. Mm. The light, then, is also the same thing as knowledge. In the sense of turning lights on, daylight, I mean, many, many different, uh, I've seen the light, all kinds of things have to do with mm -hmm. turning on or putting some photons to work, has mm -hmm. to do with knowledge, mm -hmm. to see what's going on. And so taking a look and having knowledge, that's the enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the second word of enlightenment is the enlightenment of not heavy. Mm -hmm not uh, no longer heavy with burdens that mm -hmm. when we see the burdens with a knowledge, then we can release those burdens and set them down, let them go. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the deliverance. It's not that those devices and those defilements own us and are controlling us. No, we're actually holding on to them and we didn't mm -hmm. know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when we recognize with our knowledge what we are hanging on to that's painful, then, and, and we're talking about it in any particular moment or any particular group of moments, at, at that level we can see uh, mm -hmm. the hindrances very easily because we've gotten those things developed. When, once we have that knowledge, the knowledge, in fact, would be uh, the unremitting sati. Mm -hmm. okay. And so that deliverance then winds up being that we can see that this needs to be delivered. We have unremitting uh, investigation. Mm -hmm. And then once we do that, dropping it is dead easy. Mm -hmm. No longer an effort because we're practiced at that point. That once we see it, we drop it dead easy. And then we have get a big kick out of that. Pity Sukha comes right immediately. We're followed by relaxation, followed by upeka, followed by um, uh, samadhi, samadhi, right? Yeah. Samadhi, yeah. noble samadhi, where the the mind is completely organized, unified, and satisfied. Mm -hmm. Which means that the fulfillment of these uh, Samujana then is the knowledge and deliverance, which are the two kinds of enlightenment that we've just talked about. Mm. So that's the whole uh, Anapanasati in overview. Mm. There's a lot of details in there. And that the details that we can look at, especially we can go back and revisit the fourth tetrad, mm -hmm. because the fourth tetrad has, um, it's actually a sequence of events. Mm -hmm. And the Buddha puts more emphasis upon the fading away, mm -hmm. but the beginners don't see the fading away. They only see things as arising. Mm -hmm. In other words, mm -hmm. if you, if someone, you're looking out into the darkness, mm -hmm. way off in there, you see someone turn a flashlight on. You can see it. Then somebody else turns a flashlight on and you can see it. Then somebody mm. else turns a flashlight on and you can see it. And after a while, people keep turning the flashlights off and then someone turns a flashlight out. Mm -hmm. And you see that that flashlight went out. Mm -hmm. I understand what you mean. Okay. Okay. Now that means that the fading away is a little bit more difficult to see. Mm -hmm. But we can't if we're paying attention to it. So the first thing we do is with the Yenichu is we pay attention to the arisal, the arisal, the arisal, but then we begin both with logic and with uh, direct seeing that anything that does arise mm -hmm. has to pass away for the next thing to arise. And mm -hmm. then that passes away for the third thing to arise and that passes away for the next thing to arise. Mm -hmm. But instead of watching the arisal, we begin to watch the passing away. That in fact, our heart to you, Myra, is actually seeing the passing away of the Myra. Mm -hmm. Because the new thought is, I can see you, Myra. So it's got both the arising and the passing away. And in that passing mm -hmm. away, we also see the relinquishment of letting it go, that we no longer are clinging to anything that's happening momentarily because everything arises and passes away only mm -hmm. to see something new. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling a sense of loss, mm -hmm. 
like somebody's cheated you or somebody said something about you and it's deflated the ego and we have that sense of loss, recognizing that that sense of loss is actually that fading away process. Are mm. we going to get stuck there or are we going to go back in to something new? Because everything keeps happening over and over again. Yeah, yeah, so something happened and we didn't like it, but it's because it faded away. Okay, well, something new is happening. Mm. And so that arising and passing away and rising and passing away gives rise to that last point. Set number mm. 16, Anapanasati, is the letting it go, the relinquishment. Mm. Actually, mm. it has to do with throwing it back. That not mm. only is it dying away, fading away, seceding on itself, we're happily mm. burying it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're happily burying it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. need to cling to it at all. This has actually, in the beginning, a kind mm -hmm. of an effort to it. Mm -hmm. But as we progress, it becomes energetic. Mm -hmm. Just like all of the other stuff, okay? So anything that we're going to be uh, clinging to, Mm -hmm. The beginning part of it, the letting go, is work. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's kind of like flinging, mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. just dropping or opening our hands. We actually have to fling it off. In fact, I had a monk friend long ago. His name was David, and he had the mm -hmm. analogy. Imagine that you picked a great big booger, and it's there mm -hmm. on your finger. You just don't let it go like that. It's not going to drop. <laughs> You've got to put that thing off. Get rid of it. Throw it out, okay? <laughs> yeah. That's the way that we think of the relinquishment, is to throw that thing out. It's dead anyway. Why am I clinging to the dead baby? That's actually yeah. the same story as um, um, Got uh, Gotami mm -hmm. uh, had the baby that mm -hmm. died. Uh, and so she carried it to one magician and... and um, a doctor after another, and nobody could bring that baby come back to life until mm -hmm. she took it to the Buddha and asked him and says, okay, you go get one anise seed mm -hmm. from 10 different households where no one in that house has never known death. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a magic anise seed, and it can only come from a household that has never known death. Mm -hmm. What? When she came back to the Buddha, she had already disposed of the body of the baby because every house she went to mm -hmm. and at, they were willing to give her an antecedent, but she couldn't take it if they had known death. And she asked and everybody had known death. Mm -hmm. OK, that was what allowed her by knowing that mm -hmm. death is mm -hmm. she, could put, she could throw the baby out. She had to relinquish it. Mm -hmm. She could not just drop it. She had to throw it out. Mm. Just like our own, we can think of that also actually as the kitchen. You can't mm. just recognize a bunch of garbage in there. You got to actually take it out to the road. You got to throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what the Anapanasati Sutta, the tail end of it, that highest point, is that effortless throwing things out because mm. they're getting it beat. Don't mm. uh, cry over broken cups or spilt milk or bad laptops or anything. Mm. Because as they say on the um, bumper sticker, shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Shit happens. Okay. So you're going to lose stuff. But. By noticing the arising and the pass away, everything falls away, everything dies, then this died too. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, let's bury it. Let's throw it out. Let's get rid yeah. of it. You can walk into somebody's house and you can see whether that mentality is there or not. Is this house full of junk? Is that old <laughs> tape recorder from 1966 still in the basement? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how about that stack of newspapers? How about those Playboys from the 1970s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're not willing to let go of the past, mm -hmm. cling to it. And the relinquishment is the full-on knowledge of let's get rid of that stuff. Let's get something new going.
Yeah. Let's let the past die. Let it uh, uh, pass away. Mm. I think, in fact, the, the deepest part of it has to do with fear of death. Mm. That if I'm if my laptop will die, that means that I'll die, too. And we don't want laptops dying. <laughs> when, in fact, uh, having a dead laptop is just a perfect opportunity to get a brand new laptop. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Sure. Well, we have to let go of the bad feelings of the old one. Mm. <laughs> so well. this is the in in the detail about the way that the Anapanasati Sutta is set up the way that it is, mm. is really making this distinction between what is wholesome and what is unwholesome. Mm. And the unwholesome things are to be let go of and and released. And everything dies. And when it's dead, it needs to be mm -hmm. let go of and released. Yeah. Okay, you're back. Ah, you're back again. Well, yeah, thank you, Bhante, for for answering my question. Okay. Well, I think that you got something out of this, both on the practical and on the um, uh, practice point. Mm. Yeah. So. Let's finish now. Yeah. And we'll uh, let you go and relinquish. Yeah. Thank you go so much. Back. Thank you so much. The Pali word, by the way, one of the Pali words is Atamayata. I ain't going to have nothing to do with Maya anymore. That's what it means. <laughs> I means not do Maya. Uh -huh. Not going to do it. Atamayata. <laughs> That's that relinquishment. It's like blow it out. <laughs> I'll keep that one in mind. <laughs> okay. You, See, See you, you soon. Bye bye.